Hello and welcome to This Week at Charlestown Road, a branch of the Heavenbound podcast. My name is Jason Harden. I'm here with Roger Schaus, and this is where we reflect on the weekend that was. We dig a little deeper into a recent sermon to give you something to think about as this week unfolds and preview what's to come this next weekend at Charlestown Road. It's great to have all of our listeners with us today, and Jason was preaching this past Sunday morning, and he took us to Psalms 37, and he talked about feeding on faithfulness, and he made a great analogy between farm animals that eat and us, but he wasn't talking about physical food there. Uh, That might have been a great, put up pictures of Twinkies and things. Oh, boy. But he didn't do that. So I'm going to let Jason kind of recap the lesson, and and then we want to pull out several things from that and kind of talk about that. It's a great lesson. It's on our website, and it's very important for us. This is a lesson that's hard for young people to get sometimes. And if you don't start off sometimes on the right foot in this direction, it can really mess you up down the road. And so uh, let's let's just kind of walk through this, and then we're going to talk about several aspects of this. Yeah, Psalm 37 was was a recent uh, scheduled daily Bible reading for us, and I shared toward the beginning of the sermon that verse 3 got my attention when I first passed through it. I read routinely out of the English Standard Version, and it renders Psalm 37 verse 3, trust in the Lord and do good, dwell in the land and befriend faithfulness. Uh, Several of our English translations use those last two words at the end, befriend faithfulness. But I've got a footnote in our ESV, and actually there are a couple of English translations that render it a little more literally. And that's what got my attention and got me thinking for the sermon. Uh, Literally, it is much more like trust in the Lord and do good, dwell in the land and feed on faithfulness. And so, okay, as I started thinking about who's writing this, David obviously has a a shepherd background. He would understand what it means to lead sheep or livestock, whatever it is, to appropriate areas to to feed what they need in order to be healthy, right? And so I just built on that, uh, really trying to make it as simple as possible. We all feed on all sorts of things, not just physically, but for this sermon, emotionally, mentally, spiritually, we are feeders. We take things in through our eyes and our ears, through our mouths in conversation with others. And and those things that we bring into our hearts, they come to dwell in us, right? And we are warned in Scripture about dwelling on certain things. We'll talk a little bit more about that maybe over the next few minutes. Uh, Many of us from the time we were very young have been told, you are what you eat, right? And and I think Psalm 37, even though it's 3,000 years old, really makes that point powerfully and so the the shepherd in Psalm 37 nudges us away from fretting because of evil doers or being envious of wrongdoers refraining from anger forsaking wrath but he also shows us where we ought to feed trust in the lord is where the psalm really begins do good delight yourself in the lord commit your way to the lord be still before him turn away from evil wait for him 
keep his ways, I tried to show that really all of that, I, I think, is another way of saying feed on faithfulness. And so it was good for me to think about. I hope it was good for our listening and watching audiences. So <clears throat> we don't use that word very often outside of physical food. So yeah. when when you're thinking about um, feeding your soul, feeding your heart, uh, what are some other words that we could use for that? Yeah, well, very, very close to that. Really, probably the Bible word more than feed is meditate, right? Uh, that is where Psalms begins. Psalm 1, verse 1, introduces us to this blessed man who doesn't dwell with sinners and scoffers and the wicked, but his delight, Psalm 1-2 tells us, is in the law of the Lord, and on his law he meditates day and night. And I even spent a little bit of time in the, the sermon connecting meditate and ruminate, right? Ruminate is another word we don't use very often. It can mean what's going on in our minds with thinking, meditation, but it also can involve physical chewing, right? And so I think that's where we get phrases like, well, I just heard something, and as I drive home, I'm chewing on that. I'm, I don't have anything in my mouth, but I'm mentally chewing, mentally digesting. The Bible word for that is meditate. Yeah, and, and you know, sometimes I use the analogy to grandma soup, and grandma put everything in there but the kitchen sink, yeah. and, <laughs> and then she'd just sit it on the stove, and it would simmer. Yeah. And while it's simmering, it's just cooking. <clears throat> and that's the same thing here. Now, now there's a step before meditation. And I think that's what, that's what the front part of this sermon and front part of this passage brings out. And that's what influences you. Mm -hmm. So what you put in your mind, then the second step is to meditate upon that. But the first step is what are you going to allow to influence you? And, and there's a lot of people today who have no filters. Uh, we got filters for our cars. We got filters for our water systems and things like that. And that's to keep out things that shouldn't be in there. It keeps out the impurities. And when a person does not have a moral filter, uh, they're going to watch anything, say anything, listen to anything, and and it will in time influence them. It's what they're going to be feeding on. And so, so one of the first aspects we really have to consider is this idea of what influences us and how we can learn to have a godly filter in our life to really help us uh, to keep out some of those things. Now, what, one of the early things you brought out, and this is found in verse, it's really found three times in New American Standard. It's yeah. verse 1 and the latter part of verse 7 and verse 8 is do not fret. Three times he says, do not fret. And that's another word we don't use very often, to fret. Yeah. And so what's he driving at there? Well, when I hear that word, just personally, <laughs> what goes through my mind is uh, a worrying grandmother. You know, I, I think of someone that is just 
anxiously worried, not necessarily to the point of doing anything, right? It's it's kind of like that rocking chair that is just rocking, rocking, rocking back and forth and not going anywhere. And it is easy for us to wring our hands and furrow our brows and give ourselves a headache. We're fretting so much. Really, it just revolves around worry and anxiety, right? It is, there's all of this going on around me and I just don't know what I'm going to do, but Here's the danger. I'm dwelling on it. I'm I'm camping right there. I'm thinking about it night and day. And that is specifically what David in Psalm 37 is encouraging us not to do. And, and that makes us think of Matthew 6, where multiple times Jesus would say in that Sermon on the Mount, do not be anxious. There's a lot of stuff going on in our culture right now to worry about. I mean, uh, there's a war going on in Israel. There's the economy is not doing so hot. And there's upcoming election. Things are being said back and forth. So when you read this passage and it says, do not fret, do not worry, be not anxious, as the Lord would say, mm-hmm. What's the remedy? How you know? I turn on the TV, and first thing I do is I start worrying. Yeah, yeah. Well, it is not that I'm just going to stick my head in the sand and ignore what is going on. It's not that I'm going to live in an alternative reality where everything is rainbows and butterflies. Even Psalm 37 brings that out. I mean, just doing a little bit of scanning. In verse 10, David acknowledges the wicked. Verse 12, verse 14, verse 20, verse 21, on and all the way to the end of Psalm 37, what he's wrestling with is there is a lot of wickedness and evil and selfishness and corruption in the world around me. So, There is an awareness, but it is a determination that I'm not going to feed on that, right? I I can't make evildoers go away, but I'm certainly not going to join them. I I can't stop all wrongdoing, but I'm not going to be tempted to go in that way. I'm not going to give full vent to anger and wrath. That's that's not where I want to build my life. Yes, this world is a messy place where anxiety can be very, very high at times, but what am I going to choose to feed on? Well, God is. God is good. I trust him. I'm going to delight in him. He is going to be my shepherd, not just of my morals, but of my attention and my affections. And so, I mean, trying to make this just as practical as we can, some of us, the very first thing we do as soon as we wake up in the morning is look at our phones. What sort of notifications have come through? What's going on in the world? What are people talking about? What we do in our downtime is look at our phones or look at some other screen. Some of us, the very last things that we do at the very end of the day is look at our phones and and get all of this information. What we're doing is feeding on those things. And again, even though this is 3,000 years old, David, through the Holy Spirit, knows what he's talking about. If you feed on that, it is going to lead at times to 
fretting over those things. Yeah, and, and I think the Lord's remedy in Matthew 6 was faith. Yeah. And and I think the stronger the faith, the less your worry. The greater your worry, the less your faith. Those those two do not coexist in one's heart. And so if I find myself worrying a lot, uh, I need to get back in the Scriptures and, and get that faith in God. Now, now I want to look in verses 1, 2, and 3 because... Uh, he, he says something that I think is just powerful here. So he begins by saying in this chapter, do not fret because of evildoers. Do not be envious toward wrongdoers. Mm-hmm. Uh, that's Hollywood. Hollywood has always glamorized the criminal. I mean, back to the movies about Jesse James or Dillinger, the gangsters, it's always glamorizing wrong lifestyle. Yeah. And he's saying, don't envy them. So, so you got two negatives right away. Don't, don't worry about them, but don't envy them. And then he says in verse two, for they will wither quickly like the grass and fade like the green herb. They're not going to last around. Yeah. Okay. And then that moves us to the third verse where it says, trust in the Lord. That's, that's how we deal with our, those things. And so evils around us it has always been there. It always will be until we leave this planet, but we, we don't worry about it. We don't envy them. We just put our trust in the Lord. Yeah, so many of the Psalms major in perspective, right? They are honest depictions of this is what I'm feeling at the moment because of what is going on in the world around me. But I remember who God is and I remember his will for my life. Therefore, it gives me this sort of perspective. And Psalm 37 is full of perspective like evildoers and wrongdoers may appear to be living the good life for a little while, but it's not going to last. And and as we said earlier, I I think this is really hard for young people to get. Um, You know, we we just glamorize the, the actor, the singer, the sports superstar and Here's a guy in high school, and he says, man, if I just push myself, maybe I can make college sports. Maybe I can make it to the pro level. And we think about the big house, the big cars, all that fancy stuff that comes with it. And there's an envy to that. And not necessarily all those people are wicked or evil, but they're, they're living lifestyles that's not honoring the Lord. And so as a parent, how would we get our young people to feed on the right thing. Yeah. Well, it's got to start with my own example, right? If they see me simply feeding on what everybody else is feeding on, night and day, downtime, busy time, whatever time, then children are imitators, right? Children are going to grow up imitating and perhaps even taking further than me what they see in me. And so the first thing is a good example. And, and the second thing is being more than just an example, but being a shepherd of that little flock, right? As a father, as a mother, I need to do more than, well, be reading or praying or singing or whatever it is when, when they might see me, but I need to invite them in and say, okay, listen, the television is been on for the last several hours. Why don't, as we wind this day down, turn that off and shift our focus 
in a different direction. I do believe it is a mistake for a parent to say, well, I'll set the good example, but just let them do what they want to do. No, that that ought to start at a young age, that these are our rhythms. It is Saturday night. We're going to prepare now to get up for Sunday morning because we don't just hear it at the church building, but in our home, we're learning it's the best day of the week. And so we're not going to get up on Sunday morning and decide whether or not we're going to assemble with our church family. No, that's that's who we are. That's what we're done. That tone needs to set by needs to be set by mom and dad at home. I think I think also who mom and dad puts forth before their eyes as heroes. Yeah. That has you know if, if you're always talking about, you know, this guy in baseball who just signed a you know a five hundred million dollar contract and that's all you talk about, well that's who they're gonna see. Mm-hmm. And and I remember when my four were, were young and, and at home, we were always, always talking about preachers. And they had their little bitty Bibles and we would go places and, and one of them would tug on my arms, Daddy's that guy a preacher? And I said, Yes. He'd go over there with his Bible with a pen you know, would you autograph my Bible? And and they still have those Bibles. And they, they talk about that quite a bit. And the idea was we were putting before their eyes godly influences. And that's really what this lesson was about. That's that's my takeaway when we talk about feeding on faithfulness. It's what influences you. Uh, you can't control the outside, but you let in their front door what you let in your front door. And so whether it's a movie, whether it's, whether it's a people, whether it's a book, all those things influence us. Uh, so Jason, I, I read some quote years ago, and I've heard this quote repeated over and over and over through the years, that you and I will be exactly the same way we are now in five years, except for the books we read and the people we associate with. And so let's talk about what's influencing you. And so what people allow in my life, what I allow in my heart, that's what's going to influence. And that's, that's very powerful. Now, the other side of this lesson, not only are we being influenced, but God wants us to be influencers. Your light and your salt, as Jesus talked about there in Matthew 5, we are to become positive influences. And so, Jason, back to you once again. How do we do that? Yeah, well, I cannot share what I don't have, right? I, I can't dispense what I don't know. And, and I will not be a channel of what I'm not recognizing in my own life. And so anytime I think of this sort of dynamic, I think of how Paul in 1 Corinthians 1 talks about how God is a God of all comfort, and he has comforted us in order that we might comfort others. And so a lot of this is just going to be a day-by-day awareness. That is one of the things I hope people take away from this sermon. God is faithful, and that does not simply involve what we read about happened in the pages of the Bible. Of course, those things are enormously important, but God was faithful this morning as the sun rose. Uh, We have seen God's faithfulness in another season of harvest. We see God's faithfulness day by day by day on planet earth with human life continuing to spread and and flourish. I'm not going to be a really good channel or teacher or example of that if I take those things for granted. And so beginning every day by 
just taking a moment to look around and recognize God is faithful. God was faithful to me even while I was unconscious and asleep. God continued to be faithful. God has given me another day. I'm aware of that. And now, okay, I've got opportunity after opportunity all around to share. Okay. Someone says, isn't it a beautiful day outside? And I I have the opportunity to say, yeah, I'm, I'm thankful that God has blessed us with this beautiful day. Somebody asks me on Monday, what did you do over the weekend? Well, I can talk about college football or I can talk about the Lord's Day, right? It, nothing wrong with talking about college football, but was that the highlight of my weekend on Saturday or was what I was able to do with my church family and honoring God on Sunday. Was that the highlight of it all? I think a lot of it just involves awareness and an unashamed readiness to share with others. God is everything to me. Yeah, well, you know, one writer said recently, we're living in times where there's a lot in the showroom, but there's nothing in the warehouse. <laughs> and and I, what he was meaning by that is it's just a lot of shallow talk, shallow thinking. There's just not a lot of depth today. Yeah. And I think one of the things your lesson was doing was was causing us to pause, observe, and, and, and reflect, and, and to get that kind of depth that we need. And when you do that and you reflect upon that, not only do you see that God is faithful, but he's wanting me to be faithful as well. Yeah. And and whether it's my family, whether it's my conversations, uh, it's interesting what that example you just used. Uh, two times yesterday, I had people ask me, "Well, did you do anything fun on Sunday?" And I said, "Yeah, I went to church." And and <laughs> and, and for them, to think fun in church. I said, "It's amazing. You ought to come." Yeah. And, and and just little expressions like that, when you believe it and you start sharing it, it starts realizing that that is how God wants us to be in these ways. Yeah. And so, uh, great lesson, and it's there on their website. Again, I encourage you to go back. Uh, uh, you you need to get the uh, interactive outline. It's there too. And Jason gave us a little. Uh, work thing to work through this month, which just is to look upon the, the world we live in and to reflect and to have that depth and to see how God is faithful to us and to feed on those things. Put your mind upon those things and and to realize, okay, I woke up today. That's a blessing from God. I talked to God. That's a blessing. He even heard me. God answered my prayer. That's a blessing. The, the list is long. But you start going through that, and you start realizing God is there. He's always there, and what a blessing that is. And so uh, really, really appreciate the work you put into that. It's really good lessons, lessons that I think all of us need as we think about the times in which we live in. I appreciate that. We've, we've got the opportunity to do some more feeding tonight, right? We're looking forward to being together 7 o'clock p.m. this evening. Roger, you're going to be teaching in the auditorium. We're talking about how the Old Testament finished or ended. This month, we're focusing on the book of Nehemiah. So we're going to be looking at Nehemiah, keeping that momentum going, and some things that kind of kind of come out of that third and fourth chapter there. In our Building Blocks track of studies, we're surveying Exodus through Deuteronomy in the Old Testament. And tonight, we're going to be looking at the tabernacle. What was the tabernacle? What was it all about? Why did it matter? Why do we even as Christians today need to understand 
understand what was going on there. That will be our focal point. Roger, this Sunday morning, you've got the opportunity to preach. Yes, and we're going to go back to the book of Psalms again. And a lot of times in our preaching, we talk about getting to know God, and that's a valuable, valuable lesson. But we're going to talk about how God knows us. And we're just calling this lesson, He Knows You. And look at several things from one of the the great chapters in the book of Psalms. You and I had the opportunity this past Sunday evening to kick off a series that really, we both have been very encouraged how much feedback we have gotten. You mentioned just a few moments ago, war in Israel and the surrounding area. There are a lot of headlines, a lot of discussion, a lot of arguments. As a result, maybe a lot of fretting the way that we talked about a little while ago, and a lot of speculation as to what does all of this mean. And so this past Sunday evening, we looked at Israel in the Old Testament. This Sunday evening, 5 o'clock p.m., we're going to look at how the New Testament talks about the nation, the people of Israel. We're trying to understand, okay, from a Christian point of view, What do we need to understand about Israel's past and present and future? How does it all relate to the kingdom of God? It's really been interesting and encouraging to get the feedback of so many. We would love to see you at 5 o'clock p.m. It has been, and it's. I think it's a very relevant type of lesson where we're looking at words, we're looking at passages. So we encourage you to be with us. If you can't, join us on the live stream, and uh, all those things will be recorded for you to go back and look at it a second time. Thanks to all of you for listening to This Week at Charlestown Road. It would be great to see you tonight at 7 o'clock p.m. We're already looking forward to Sunday. We absolutely believe it is the best day of the week. And we would love to have you come and grow with us.